0: Welcome to the weekly edition of ESG Now, where we cover how the environment, our society, and corporate governance affects and is affected by our economy. I'm your host, Mike DiCibato, and this week we are going to discuss BP's announcement that it would be carbon neutral by 2050. And then Kenji Watanabe, our energy analyst in Japan, gives us a quick take on Japan's decision to open as many as 22 new coal-fired power plants. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Stay tuned. Okay, so before we start the show, I just wanted to do a quick definition check because we talk a lot about scope one, two, and three emissions in this episode. And I wanted to give a really, really simplistic definition of those three. Scope one emissions are the direct emissions of your company, say. Scope two uh, are the emissions created by the power plant that powers your office, for example. And then there's Scope 3 emissions, which are actually the largest bucket of emissions, and they encompass most of the indirect emissions. They are, for example, the sort of emissions that are associated with your product. So if you're the oil and gas company, you have to take into account how pollutive cars are when you're calculating these Scope 3 emissions. There's a lot more to that, but it's actually quite boring, so I'm not going to get into it. Just, just Google it if you want to. All right, now on to our show. on wednesday february 12th bp the british oil giant said its goal was to eliminate or offset all of the planet warming emissions from its operations as well as the emissions caused by the burning of the oil and gas it pumps out of the ground and they want to do this by 2050. BP was heavy on gusto in their announcement, but low on details. But for this episode, we decided to take the company at its word and figure out what it would take for BP to really be carbon neutral by 2050. While BP was the most ambitious oil and gas company that has made this pledge, it's actually not alone. At least 20% of the 30 integrated oil and gas companies in our coverage have pledged or set aims to reduce their Scope 1 and two and three emissions but the problem is these companies have a long way to go before they can be carbon neutral i'll just list out the percentage of renewables in some of these oil and gas companies revenue streams that have made this carbon neutral pledge uh bp for example they have only 0.09 percent of revenues associated with carbon neutral energy shell only has one percent Equinor, which is actually the Norwegian government's oil and gas company, basically, they own like 60% of it, has only 0.04% of renewables or carbon-neutral energy in their revenue stream. Total, the French oil giant, is the only one that really almost gets to the double digits. They have 7.23%. So there is a long way to go for these companies to get enough carbon-neutral energy on their books to be considered quote-unquote carbon-neutral. Uh, And right now, I have Antonios Panatopoulos, our lead analyst on oil and gas, and Verlina Karazova, our lead analyst on energy utilities, with me. Because I just said carbon neutral. But to be honest, that can mean a lot of different things. And Antonios, I was wondering if you could walk me
1: through what we even mean by a company going carbon neutral or net neutral. Uh, Now, the way we're looking at this is that if you want to be uh, net neutral um, at some point in the future, um, uh, ideally 50% of your emissions or 50% of your revenue should be coming from uh, non-emitting sources if you are to keep your the rest, the remaining 50% coming from uh, oil and gas. Uh, so therefore that should lead to a net neutrality. Essentially uh, to put it in uh, in simple terms, they would need to generate revenue from oil and gas and put it into renewables. At the moment, the way that we are kind of looking that this can happen uh, is that BP needs to grow by almost uh, 20, 22% uh, annually uh, for the next 30 years if they are to reach a 50% uh, revenue coming from oil. Uh, low or zero carbon sources um now just to put it in uh, in context the the uh, one of the companies that we've seen grow by 21 percent uh, annually in the past 10 years is alphabet so google
0: yeah so what bp said is and i have this written down it would be net zero on the operations on their operations on an absolute basis by 2050 that means it would be net zero within the company aka that's scope one emissions It will be net zero on the extraction of oil and gas, which means it will probably start to use more efficient extraction methods like Amazon Web Services and the Google Cloud that we talked about two weeks ago, where it allows them to extract fuel more efficiently and they can predict where the fuel is with a greater enhancement. And then they said they're going to enhance their methane measurements and increase their investments into the non-oil and gas business, basically diversify. But here's the big thing. Here's what you were talking about, Antonio's they would have a 50% cut in the carbon intensity of products they sold in 2050. And that's what we were just talking about. Because not to get wonky, but to get wonky, intensity is a measure of carbon emissions per dollar of revenue generated. And that, that whole measurement brings up an odd thing for me at the moment because for Google, let's say, um, they make money by selling data or cloud computing services. But how can oil and gas companies sustain their business model with renewables? Because the good thing about oil, well, for companies, the good thing about oil is your customers need to keep using it. Uh, but with renewables, you do not have to continually use them as you would gasoline or oil or what have you. You can just use the sun and the wind and the constant production that that creates. That means for oil and gas companies, they I think they have to move into a new sector And what better sector than the electric utilities? You can get a lot of money from selling electricity without all the carbon emitted, especially if that electricity is created from renewable sources. So I assume these companies are just going to start feverishly acquiring
1: utilities. Correct. And they have already started, Mike. Uh, So we've seen already mostly on the European uh, integrated oil and gas side. So we've seen Shell already uh, buying first utility which is a UK um, essentially um, energy utility provider. Yeah, it uh, it provides uh, energy only from renewable sources. Um, now, uh, also BP uh, has um, um, kind of uh, ventured into the same space with um, uh, First Solar. Um, and then also we have Total that they have purchased uh, uh, First Energy uh, direct energy, sorry, uh, in uh, France, uh, where they also aim to uh, uh, essentially provide consumers with the option of having zero carbon or uh, electricity from renewable sources.
0: Yeah, that seems like to play with most large companies that need to become more carbon neutral. They acquire a company that helps them do that rather than totally changing up their system. For example, Kellogg acquires a organic producer to offer more um, healthy food options. This, this is different, though, because this is them actually going into an entirely new sector. And Valina, this is your sector. This is your coverage area. I'm curious what you think this is going to do in the utility sector. Is it going to disrupt everything? These are huge companies coming into the fray and buying up uh, utilities.
2: In general... If someone is interested to acquire a company, the value of that company goes up. So utilities may become more valuable because there is more interest in in that business if they are to acquire an existing utility. So that's one option. The other option is if uh, oil and gas out of a sudden decides to enter the, the utility space, they may just start taking business away from the utilities. Like you don't need to buy a utility. You can just set up your own utility and start building wind farms without buying an existing wind farm developer, right? In that case, what will happen is you'll just have a lot more uh players and a lot more capital chasing the existing utility business.
0: So that means that you could have a company like BP bidding on an offshore wind project. Is that going to crowd out these utility companies? BP has a crap ton of money. I assume they can just kind of push the market where they want it to go.
2: So the good news though is there is enough new growth in utilities, probably for everybody for the utility capital and for the oil and gas capital because uh, fossil fuel technologies uh, with the same capacity, with the same installed capacity of a coal plant and uh, a wind farm, you produce different amount of energy. And with the coal plant, you produce sometimes times more than what you can produce with solar or with wind. So actually to replace all the existing fossil fuel capacity, let's assume again it's a hundred, you cannot replace that hundred with a hundred of wind or a hundred of solar. You need to replace it with probably four or five hundred. So the utility business, the utility opportunities are growing as well.
0: And now with some spice. Kenji Watanabe is here, who is our Japanese analyst that specializes on the coal and energy industry. Because as BP announced it was going carbon neutral, Japan announced it was going to open around 22 new coal plants in the next five years. Because after the Fukushima nuclear disaster, Japan needed to bridge its energy gap and decided nuclear power wasn't worth the risk So they have been pushing coal. But this has put the government in a tight spot because, well, everyone is against coal at the moment. And the government has been portraying the summer's Olympic games in Tokyo as one of the greenest ever. So Kenji is here to give us a take on these strange goings on.
3: Japan needed stable energy resources that can substitute nuclear power generations. Um, They decided to build a coal-fired power plant because their Japanese coal-fired technologies are more carbon efficient than any other conventional uh, coal-fired technologies. That said, Japanese electric utilities cannot help the government to meet the nationally determined contribution set by the Paris Agreement if they keep using their coal-fired power generations. So they cannot keep investing technologies that will not be used in 10 years, 20 years, or even 30 years at most. so my point of view is if this trend continues, that means this is just a bad investment decision due to bad governance. Uh, new development is the Minister, Minister, of, Minister of Environment, Shin, Shin Shinjiro Koizumi announced at the climate change conference in New York last year that Japan would reduce the dependence on coal. So what we need, what this country needs right now is a clear roadmap to achieve these objectives.
0: And that's it for the week. I wanted to thank Antonios, Valina, and Kenji for joining me to discuss this week's news with the ESG Twist. And I wanted to thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Don't forget to rate and review us. As I say, I'm always trying to improve but never able to do it. And subscribe where you get your podcasts. Thanks again, and talk to you next week.